It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 201-939-4. 513 or hit us up on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. Paul and I are back from New England. We drove back last night, early uh, evening, late afternoon. We are back in New Jersey. There was a walkthrough practice over at the stadium today. Paul Dottino was in attendance. We'll talk about all that and more, but of course, more importantly, the phone banks are open, so make sure you call in and get on the line to talk some Giants football with us as we get ready for the third preseason game. Mr. Dottino, welcome back to the your favorite state in the Union, New Jersey. Indeed it is, and a uh, big thumbs up, John, to you for manning the wheel on our trip to Foxborough. Very yeoman's-like job, and uh, much appreciated. No problem, especially with your two pit stops on the way home, which were unexpected. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We made it, and everything is fine. Yep, not not the type of pit stops you usually want to make. I'll let fans use their imagination on that. Um, <laughs> it's Pearson a long shaking drive. his head. Pearson, you, you don't want to know. <laughs> but uh, it was a successful couple of days. I know, Paul, we talked a lot about this on the show yesterday with Lance and Paul, so I don't, with Lance and uh, Jeff, rather, so I don't want to get necessarily too deep into it again because I think we covered it so why don't we start then with today some of the news that Joe Judge broke um, at his pre-practice press conference today number one no Saquon Barkley this week he would not comment on his availability for week one we've talked about it we think based on how he's built up barring any setbacks that that should be um, a very possible endeavor there will be no Kenny Galladay in the game on Sunday I believe he left Kadarius Tony up in the air, if I'm not mistaken, Paul. He as a possibility. strongly hinted that you probably wouldn't yes, see him. But he did but not he rule him out. Did not rule him out 100%. And he would not rule in or out some of the other guys that are dealing with injuries. Evan Ingram didn't practice on Thursday. Shane Lemieux, who I basically, uh, who, by the way, I incorrectly tweeted to somebody after Wednesday that I saw thought I saw him up there. Um, clearly, I did not, given he didn't make the trip. So there was no commitment whether or not he's going to play. All those other guys that have been working out on the side. Uh, Dory Jackson, he would not rule him out of the game either, though I'd be surprised if if he played in this one. But well, John, Paul, let me interrupt yes. you there. Go ahead. Dory Jackson uh, did not work out today during the session in the stadium. He was on the side with the trainers and given that he didn't do any drills, I think you could pretty much assume he will not play. Thank you for that. And, by and Rudolph, the... did you mention Rudolph too? I did not. He, he he will not play this week. Yeah, coach said he would not play, but interestingly enough, both he and Barkley did do some 11-on-11s today during the walkthrough. And we stress that it is a walkthrough, folks, and a very – this isn't like a half-speed jog-through. This is like a walkthrough. Yeah, it's 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 basically quick steps as you run your routes. That's about all it is. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, it was good to see them do it because it's more than what they had done prior as they just started doing more ramping up this week, as Judge likes to call it. And the, to be frank with you, what I look for when I see guys do that, I just want to see if they're unbalanced, if they're favoring one of their legs or one of their feet, if, if it looks like after they, they do a short rep, as light as it may be, when they come back to the huddle or they go to the sideline, does it look like they're favoring something? I will only say it looked like both players had a normal gait the entire afternoon, and that's a good sign. Yeah, no question about it. Never a bad thing. But again, I think we'll have to wait a little bit of while before we can see exactly yes. where they are. The other thing that Coach Judge confirmed when in you know previous weeks, at least, at least in the game against the Browns, joint practices changed his plans on how he was going to handle that preseason game. His plans have not been altered by what happened up in New England against the Patriots in those joint practices. He is going to treat this like your traditional third preseason game where the starters are all going to play at least a half. And then he said at certain positions, which he chose not to specify, you're going to see some extended time for some players that are really competing for those last couple roster spots. Well, he specifically said, and let me see if I can 
uh, pull up the quote because I did take notes in real time on my Twitter. Uh, he did say that uh, most of the spots have pretty much been decided, but there are still spots to be decided, and they are up for grabs. You're right, John. He would not indicate where those spots were. And by obviously. the way, he, he was asked, and he would he he, he declined to answer. Well, yeah, he yes. doesn't want to telegraph anything. Well, of course. And why should he? You know, I think those players who are on the bubble probably have a pretty good idea that they are. Joe Judge has told us several times. In fact, if you remember, I asked him last week but in the pregame before the Cleveland game that I did. In the pregame, I specifically asked him about does he talk to players who are on the bubble and tell them, look, this is your last chance. You're running out of time. You better feel a sense of urgency because if you don't show it now, you may not be here. And he said, look, I communicate with the players all the time. They know exactly what the story is. Yeah, and David Sill said, you know, similar to me today, I talked to him. Uh, it's going to go up on the Giants Huddle podcast, hopefully as soon as we're able. We're having some internet issues over here in the building today, and that'll be our pregame interview on our pregame show on Sunday on WFAN as well. And he said, look, Coach Garrett and Coach Judge have a very simple message. Do the best you can, control what you control, and don't worry about the roster spot, right? Because if you do what you're supposed to do and you play your best, that's going to take care of itself. So that's the message that these coaches are sending to the players and I think they're pretty frank with these guys in terms of where they stand so nobody's going to be blindsided when that final roster does in fact come out well I think it's really good to know that there is such an open line of communication between the coaches and the players here because quite honestly I've been around sometimes some camps where players really don't know they have a gut feeling you know, Jeff Fiegels will tell you all the time, guys have intuition. They kind of feel like they might be on the bubble or not. Well, you know, look, they also they do have the depth charts internally posted in the locker room a lot of the time. I don't know if Joe Judge does that, but other coaches I don't know do. if he does either. We're not allowed right. in there. Not correct, yes. <laughs> but, but I do like the fact that I have always heard from the time that Joe Judge got here that there is an open line of communication with his coordinators, his coaches, and him as the head coach. I have not heard one player say, and maybe maybe you have, John, I, I would be hard-pressed to say that there is, who have, who have expressed bewilderment or questions about either what the Giants are trying to do with them or what their status is. They, they all seem very, very clear on all of their instructions. They do, and I think everyone knows exactly what's expected of them and what they're going to do on game day. All right, Paul, so... While Joe Judge didn't tell us what positions he's keeping an eye on and where the big-time competitions are, let's have that conversation ourselves from our perspective. So I think the first spot I'll want to talk to you about is that last wide receiver spot. I think we know that Gallaudet, Shepard, Slayton, Tony, injuries aside, they're all going to be on that initial 53. So write them in, Stone, Marker, Penn, however you want to look at it, they're going to be on that initial 53. I think C.J. Board... Maybe isn't a short of a spot, but I think you have to feel pretty good about him getting one of those spots. And that final position to me, if they do in fact keep six, and my gut is right now that they will, it seems like it's David Sills and Dante Pettis. And Pettis put on a pretty good performance up there in those joint practices against New England, trying to make a late run against David Sills, who probably has been the most consistent receiver from the start of camp until today. Yeah, I agree with you about Board. I think he's on the team. In fact, I'll go a little stronger than you and say he is on the 53 because I think at the start of the season, at the very least, not knowing exactly what Kadarius Tony's status is, and I do think that Tony will be on the 53 and active, but I'm not so sure that he's going to return kicks right away. So I think Board's going to be extremely important as both the kickoff returner and the punt returner as they open week one against the Broncos. So I think that Board is on the team as number five. Number six, and I do think they'll keep six. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Sills, to me, has been the more productive wide receiver during the summer, but Pettis has the advantage of speed and the special teams deal. If it were me... Part of the equation is going to be who can you sneak through waivers. And, John, I had this conversation with you earlier today. And that gets dangerous when you start thinking that way, by the way. It does. It does. But the question becomes, can you get Sills through waivers to the practice squad easier than you can with Pettis? 
And that's a question you have to ask yourself before you decide to make this decision. So I ask you, do you think Pettis or Sills clear? Look, here's the thing. It's always dangerous to start making those predictions, but when in doubt, the guys who have the bigger pedigree and were drafted a little bit higher are always going to be the guys that are more valuable and more sought after when they hit waivers. And Pettis certainly has that speed box that all these teams are looking for. He can be a dangerous return man. So, yes, I think Pettis would probably be more sought after if they tried to put him through waivers. And that is logical according to my way of thinking also, which is why, despite the fact that I believe David Sills deserves a spot on the 53, I think because of the potential waiver claim uh, with Pettis, I do think that Sills has a place on this team. I think they'd like to have him active, certainly at some point this season, but it would not shock me if he winds up going down and gets put on the practice squad. You remember some years ago, John, the Giants had a guy named Corey Washington <laughs> who caught a touchdown pass in each of the preseason games. How can we forget? I don't think we've got – he's one of the most popular topics of conversations on this show ever. People love calling about Corey the Washington. The Giants had five preseason games that year. That was the year that Strahan went into the Hall of Fame, and the Giants played the Bills out in Canton. And Washington had a touchdown in each of the five preseason games. And fans were trying to put him in Canton after those five touchdowns. They were indeed. Now, here's the thing. I want to make it clear. David Sills has much more going for him than Corey Washington. He doesn't have – maybe he's not quite as fast, but he's got the size, the length. Sills has much more uh, blue-collar work ethic than Washington did. Uh, It looks to me like he runs better routes than Washington did. Yes, that's for sure. And I think he's better at contested catches than Washington was. But Washington, I think, like you said, better speed, better deep threat for sure. Right, right. But I'm going to say the point being Washington made a big impact in August and wound up practice squad. I think Sills might wind up practice squad initially, but it wouldn't shock me if before long he gets elevated. Yeah, and of course we'll see about this game, Paul, because I do think like if David Sill comes out in this game – and he has six catches for 115 yards. Well, that's a problem. Then, all of a sudden, <laughs> maybe, maybe you can't hide him, right? So I think, I do think this game matters. And Joe Judge made that point numerous times during the week that performance in this game is going to make the difference for a couple of different spots. And, and wide receivers, one of them, and Paul, the other one, as you move on to the next position I want to cover, has got to be the cornerback position. You know, that position's gotten thin very quickly here. With the injury to Adore Jackson, Josh Jackson, who they acquired in that trade, he's been injured. He hasn't really been participating. He did not work today either, John. Over in the stadium, he was on the side with the trainers. So you're basically looking, and Aaron Robinson, obviously, is still on PUP, so he's not, or is he not football injury list? One or the other. I think he's on PUP. Yeah, he's PUP, and I think he stays there. Yeah, I think he probably does too. So the only guys right now, Paul, on this roster that can physically play cornerback are Bradbury, Rodarius Williams, Darnay Holmes, Madre Harper, and um, Crossin, right? I didn't miss anybody. Those are the only five, correct? Well, no, Beal. Oh, and Beal. And, and, and Julian Love can play safety if you need him. Well, well he can play corner, you mean? I mean corner, yes. right, corner. So, I mean, look, here's the, here's the thing. The, that, my, my point, though, Paul, is that, look, they get to treat him like a safety. If he has to play corner, he has to. But in terms of this game, like, there's going to be a lot of reps to go around just because the position right now is pretty, pretty slim. So guys are going to have the opportunity to show what they can do, is my point. Well, I think it's fair to say, and back me up if you choose, that Sam Beal, okay, and um, Rodarius Williams have gotten the most reps at corner over the last week and a half. Well, yeah, sure. Okay. So you're my point. There hasn't been really anybody. Else. Okay, but but they've gotten more reps at corner than Crossin, than yes, Harper. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. We we agree on that. And even Darnay Holmes. Darnay Holmes. You know he's he's a slot guy. I they they tinker with him outside, but they don't put him out there very often. So it seems to me that Beal and Rodarius Williams are being given a chance to either play themselves onto the team or off of the roster. See, people keep forgetting this, John. 
They think when a guy gets a lot of reps, they think he's automatically moving up the depth chart because, oh, we're going to get a chance to see what he can do. This is his chance to win a spot. I happen to know because scouts told me this many, many years ago. Sometimes the personnel department will go to the coach in the preseason and in training camp and say, listen, we're not so sure about this guy. What do you think? Well, I'm not so sure. All right, let's elevate his reps. Let's bump him up and let's give him a bigger chance to prove that he doesn't belong. And it's actually in the reverse sometimes. They're looking at a player in the reverse of the binoculars and saying, let's put him out there and see if we give him a chance to fail if he plays himself off the team. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. But that is truly one of the ways that coaches will approach the summer training camp. So the question becomes, you look at a guy like Beal, who's been here, you know, this is his third camp now. You know, they've been giving him more reps. Have they been giving him an opportunity to, you know, pass some other guys? Or is this a thing of, well, we're not sure about him. Let's give him more reps and let's see if if he can stand on his own two feet. Yeah. And and that, to me, is an interesting dynamic because I think Rodarius Williams is being given snaps to concretely prove that he belongs on the team. And I think that Beal's additional snaps are being given to see if he doesn't fall off the depth chart. Not a lot of ways. Those are also the same thing, right? Because you They can... are and they aren't. It's still a different lens that you're looking through. Right, but the guy that you think can earn his way on can still play his way off, and the guy you think is going to play his way off can still play his way on. Uh, it, things can change on a heartbeat. An injury can happen. A guy can have a great week, and all of a sudden, well, guess what? Now we're not looking to see if the guy fails. Now we're thinking he might pass somebody else next week on the depth chart. It could, it could turn in a heartbeat. All right, we have a full bank of calls, Paul. I want to get to them, but very quickly, any other position group that you're really watching this weekend? Well, you know, John, I'm looking at the, the linebacker spot, and, and, you know, I don't know if you want to call it front seven or not, but I, here's an interesting dynamic for me, okay? What are you doing with Trent Harris? He's had a good camp. He's been, he's been excellent. What do you do with him? I think he's, I think he's on. Okay, well, guess what? Um, if he's considered an edge rusher. Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, you know you're keeping Carter, and you're keeping Odenabo. Uh, Zimenez has really come on the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Ojolari's going to be here. We mm-hmm. see we see what he's doing. Cam Brown is not going anywhere. Yeah, but I wouldn't count Cam Brown as an edge rusher. To me, Cam Brown is, a, is a, to me Cam Brown's a special teamer. So he's one of those basement basement fifty three guys who gets the special teams designation. Cam Brown is yes, I, I would classify him separately from defense. To be honest with you, I would. Okay. So you're going to put Harris on the depth chart as edge. You're going to put Carter Coughlin then on the depth chart inside. Well, he's going to try to win a spot inside. Right. We'll see okay, if he does. so yep. you're going to go Martinez, Crowder, Carter Coughlin. You're going to move him ahead of Reggie Ragland, right? I don't know. You don't know? I think they're in competition. I don't think Carter Coughlin's guaranteed a roster spot. I like Carter Coughlin ahead of Reggie Ragland. So do I. That doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. No, but we're speculating right. on what we would do. Oh, right. If about what I would do, yes, I would have Carter Coughlin on the roster as an inside linebacker. Yes, and I've got Carter Coughlin ahead of Devontae Downs. Sure, I agree with and, that. And I have Trent Harris ahead of Ryan Anderson. Yep, I agree with that too. Okay, so that's going to be an interesting dynamic, though, because I don't know how the Giants feel about both Ryan Anderson and Reggie Ragland, who were Alabama teammates. Okay, you heard what I said, right? Alabama teammates, <laughs> they've got a connection, and they're both veterans, and they both have some type of resume in this league, and they're both here on this roster. And I don't know how that plays into it. Trent Harris is a guy who had some time with the Patriots, you know, so uh, that's probably going to help him a little bit. So this is why that's a very and, – and i tell you what. Ellison Smith, what are you going to do with him now? You got to, you got to have to play some tricks with the roster for Ellison Smith, as I've said to you and Judge said today. We we don't have red shirts. I get it, but I I use the I use the pro red shirt term loosely as a figure of speech because that's a guy that you're not necessarily counting on to give you a lot of reps this year. So I use it loosely. I think Ellison Smith is loosely a pro red shirt. 
I don't think you can count on him to give you a lot of reps this year. And does Nico Lalos have any chance Ooh. of making this team? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a tough go. I think, that's I think tough it's go. tough for him to do it too. But he showed up last year on specials and made a couple of flashes. Now Lalos might be the guy that knocks off Trent Harris, right? In theory. In theory, if you want to go with the younger guy, in theory, they play a similar type of game. But I, you know, I think Trent Harris has played better during the summer. Well, he's certainly a better pure pass rusher. That's for sure. That is true. But now, if you if you're going to look for someone to play stand up, and they're going to have to, you know, try to hold the edge against the run and that kind of thing, Lalo's probably has the edge over Harris. So this, that's the other one that's really interesting. And I'll give you the, the one. Somebody asked me today, what's the, the biggest surprise veteran that you think may get left out? And I'm going to give you one. Austin Johnson. That would be a surprise. It would be a surprise. But if you want a surprise, he's my surprise to maybe not get there. And the reason is David Moa has done some things that make me think that if Danny Shelton is going to be the first and second down defensive tackle on the inside, well, you know what? They're going to use a lot of B.J. Hill when they're going into pass rush mode. And David Moa, I think, has shown for the limited snaps that the third inside defensive tackle may get, you know, the third guy on the depth chart, the third stringer, he probably can hold that down. And he's also cheaper. I don't know. Something's telling me that Austin Johnson's rose isn't shining quite as brightly as I thought it would. And I and I and I think he would be my veteran surprise to disappear. Interesting. All right. The only thing I'll say too is that I want to watch the offensive line here. I do think I want to see how Matt Parrott handles a half of football to see how he does. I think that's going to be interesting. How Nate Solder does because he participated in practice this week. I'd want to see him in a game now. See how he does. That's the one position group from the starters and Daniel Jones, obviously, that I'll be keeping an eye on to see how those groups do when you look at the starters. All right, Paul, I want to get to the calls. Yep. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Um, just a reminder to Giant fans out there, Paul, you got to change the battery on that smoke alarm, dude. <laughs> you know, it just started going off as we were it's beginning so the program. I know. Do you, do you want me to go get the ladder and reach for it? I do not because you'll probably hurt yourself. Okay. Hey, Giant fans, don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football. I, I just want fans to know what it is. So they're not like thinking they're That's losing what their it mind is. like me. The 2021 season is now on their way, but there is still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. All right. Danny in California has been holding the longest. Danny, what's up, man? Hey, guys, can you hear me? Loud and clear, Danny. Hi. Hey, great. Nice to talk to you guys. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling in, man. What do you got? So, yeah, so I haven't called in a while, been, but been listening, you know, most days. And I heard yesterday that you guys, one of your pit stops was for some pizza in New Haven. Did that actually go down? Yes, it did. Um, we had uh, Frank Pepe's on the way down. It was delicious. It was fantastic. Outstanding. Awesome. I grew up in Waterbury, Connecticut. I love Pepe. Now, I will say this. Going up, Sally's, we thought, was a little overrated. But going down, Frank Pepe's was excellent. Oh, that's good to know because I I haven't tried Sally's. I was going to try that uh, this year in November. It's a different style. Yeah, thin crust. Very thin crust and and, and slightly overcooked. But I think that's what they're going for. That's kind of the style. Right. You know, do you want want the curveball specialist or the guy who throws the heat? It's it's a different deal. (laughs) Gotcha. Good to know. I'll, I'll let you know what I end up doing. Uh, but, uh, hey, I wanted to um, uh, ask about a few players that I haven't heard much about sure. um, in you know the last few weeks that hopefully will play a key role for us uh, this, this season. And uh, I was wondering, um, you know, what you've seen lately out of uh, Matt Pert on the, on the O-line and Caden Smith at tight end for the offense. And then on defense – Xavier McKinney at the safety, and Odenabo on the D-line. I think Xavier McKinney's been excellent. Uh, every practice, it seems like he makes one play where he either gets his hand on the football or almost from that deep safety position. And that, to me, still is the position where I think he's going to wind up. I know some people think he's going to be in the slot a lot, and I do think he can do it. But I still think his best position is that free safety spot long term. Excuse me. 
And I think that's where he's eventually going to end up, and I think he's been very good in that role in practice. Um, Odenabo has been a little quiet for me. He is not flashed. Like, I think Trent Harris has been more consistent getting to the quarterback than Odenabo, in my opinion. i like to know what, what Paul's take on that is. And then, look, I think Matt Parrott needs more reps, and I think I want to see him in reps full speed against physical guys in a game. He's a good athlete. He's got long arms. But that those are elements that help you play offensive line, but they don't make you a good offensive lineman, right? So I think Nate Solder's still in the mix there, and I, liked, I would like to see Parrott step up and do a nice job in a game situation against a guy like Matt Judon. You know, they have Josh Uche up there, who was a young guy we talked a lot about in our draft coverage on the show, who's a good pass rusher. So those are the guys that I would like to see him block this upcoming week, Paul, to see exactly how well he holds up protecting Daniel Jones at right tackle. Uh, I got the battery, John. <laughs> Thank you. I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Okay. All right. I just ran. All right. Uh, yeah, re- regarding Parrot. um Listen, I know that Solder has been on uh, on moderation during the course of practice this month, but I don't think there is any doubt that Joe Judge has tremendous respect for him and his professionalism, and the fact that he asked him to come back this year tells you that they believe there's a need for him. So would it surprise me if he either shared or beat out Parrott at this point after Parrott has had an inconsistent training camp? The answer is no, that would not surprise me at all. Now, in terms of the other half of your question, you want to know about the safeties? Just McKinney specifically and uh, Odenabo were the two guys he mentioned. Okay, look, uh, I think Odenabo is a big part of, of what they want to do with their pass rush package. Uh, I, I'm curious to see, we've seen him mostly standing up, John. I think that's a fair statement, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, I would say more, more often than not, yes. Uh, I'm curious to see when they get into games how much stand-up he's doing and how much you know, hand downstairs he's doing. I I prefer him standing up myself. And I like him when he stunts, too. I, I think he shows a, a lot more for me when they're mixing up the pass well, rush Paul, instead remember, of him just coming off the edge. I said this when they got him in the trade. I liked him better as an interior rusher than I did as an edge rusher. I yeah, thought he but did I, more damage in there. But again, I like that, him starting outside, though, right. and then coming in. No, that's fine. As opposed to lining up inside with his hand down. Um, and then McKinney? Look, I think the beauty of Xavier McKinney is that he's a young player who can do so many different things. They'll just be able to move him around wherever they see fit depending upon the matchup. I don't, I don't think you're doing him a service or a justice if you tell him this is the one thing we want you to do. Because I, I think much like remember when Antrell Roll was here and, and he did a little of both safety spots and, and then at times he even did some slots. Uh, I think that's the kind of thing you're going to want to do with McKinney. Yeah, he's an exciting player. I can't wait to see how he contributes this year. Yeah, no don't doubt. pigeonhole him anywhere because he's he's that talented and so young in his career. Why not develop him in any which way that, that you can as opposed to, you know, locking him into one spot? Yep. And then did you guys have you guys had anything to report on Caden Smith? I just feel like he might be another key for us, and I haven't heard much about him at all this spring. Hey, look, the thing summer. about it, and, and, and Danny, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. The thing about Caden Smith is he's a guy that I think the coaches love because he does so many of the little things that you don't notice. He's not going to catch a bunch of balls, but he's going to be a good blocker. He's going to contribute on special teams. And I, my sense is that the coaching staff really likes him, and I'd be really surprised if he is not on this final 53. And, Paul, I think he's proven to be a good, solid, depth tight end that helps your team in a lot of different ways. And when he is on the field offensively, I think his number one thing is blocking. And But he can also catch mm-hmm. that five-yard dump off, that five-yard outlet, that five-yard stop route if Daniel Jones gets into trouble and he needs to get the ball to somebody. Look at it this way. He's got good hands. He's not going to drop much. Uh, he's smart. He's got a good attitude. He'll give you everything he's got on every play. He's truly an all-around functional tight end. He's one of those guys who may not do anything great, but he does everything pretty well. And that's why coaches love a guy like that, because he's not going to burn you. He's not necessarily deficient in any one area of the game. Yes, he's not going to have many minus plays out there. He might, Paul, you know, not have you know, a ton of like, big positive plays, but he's certainly not going to have any minus plays when he's out there. He's going to block. In other he's words, he doesn't hurt you. Correct. 100%. I'm, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. Absolutely. So Which I is think why he's the, the third tight end. 
<laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Well, right now, until we, so Rudolph is healthy enough to play, right now he's the second tight end. That's right? true, too. Absolutely. All right, 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Hey, Giant fans, taking all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giant suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Andre in Brooklyn's been holding the longest. He joins us next. Hey, Andre. Hey, what's up, John? I'm Paul. What's up, hey. What do you got? Um, I okay. So I don't see why the Giants can't cut C.J. Board and let him go into the practice squad every year. It seems like Gettleman shuffles around the roster for the special teamers that don't really make an impact on any of the games. Well, I can. Well, Tom, I can promise you right now, this isn't going to be Dave Gettleman that's putting C.J. Board on the roster. It's going to be Joe Judge. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I'm just saying we're talking about sneaking guys through. I would like to see Sill. Uh, I, you know, I no, here's like the, no, here's the problem, though, Andre. I want to talk to you real quick. You're not sneaking CJ Board through because Joe Judge wants him on the 53 man roster to start the year. He wants him at he, he might be their primary kick return guy the first game of the year. It he, looks and, and he, that and, way and, right now, and he's probably going to be their primary gunner that first I, game I of the year that, too. And, I'm, and I see the I see the burn he's getting in the games, and you know, I follow the practice and whatnot. So sure. I get that, but. I don't year to year. I you know like last year they picked up was it Damian Willis uh, on the fifty three. Well, like, well Will- Willis never came seen... this year. Who was the guy that they picked up at the at the, the fifty three last they year? They picked up Pettis last year after he was waived by San Francisco. They picked up a special teamer last year after they. they Pettis they was a kickoff return guy and a, and a wide receiver. Okay, okay. Well, I, I would like to see CJ Board on the practice squad. That's just my opinion. I, I get Joe Judge is not on on board with that. The the other thing I was uh, I heard somebody calling the other day. I've been having this thought for a while um, since the O line has been such a problem, and trying to draft O linemen seems like the biggest crap, the biggest crap shoot, but you know the the hardest position to draft in the past like five, six, seven years or whatever. Can we just trade some of the draft capital we have for an established? Linemen like a Quentin Nelson no. from Jersey, and no. you want to bring him home? No. I would Why would the Colts? One. Time out, time out, time out. Why would the Colts trade Quentin Nelson, dude? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but there are not that many good linemen out there. Yes, you, and that's why teams they, aren't going to trade him. <laughs> well, you give him a one. You got two ones, give him a one in Shane Lemieux. Well, no, look, look, look. I'll say this, Andre. I don't think that offensive lineman is the hardest position to draft. I, I, I really don't. Like it, it, <laughs> at least for the Giants. Well, I mean, look, Andrew Thomas, I think, quite frankly, has looked very good in camp. Um, okay. I was concerned about Andrew Thomas, you know, last year. I didn't think he played that well. He played much better at the end of the year. I have very few concerns about him now. I could be proven wrong, but I feel really good about him. Um, and then, you know, they really didn't use, you know, they used a third-round pick on pair, but... You know, premium, premium picks, a first and second round pick, you have to go back four years when they drafted Hernandez. So, you know, this front office has really only drafted two linemen with the first and second round pick in the last four years. So, you know, this this group, now if you want to go back to the old regime and say they had trouble drafting offensive linemen, that I think is a different conversation. I think that's a fair one. But I think this group hasn't done it as much. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Part of the thought thought is like uh, when the tackles came out in the Andrew Thomas draft. Nobody knew who the best tackle was. Everybody kind of took their shot on the guy they liked. Sure. It seemed like there was a lot more guessing than when there's, like, top three quarterbacks, top three wide receivers. It seems like they're mostly a short thing. Oh, that, no, but Andre, Andre, think about it. The year Justin Jefferson got drafted, how many wide receivers got picked ahead of him? Mm, a bunch. A bunch, right? Go back yeah, to the quarterbacks. Yeah. How many quarterbacks got? How many quarterbacks got picked ahead of Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen? Yeah, yeah. The, the sweet spot for quarterbacks seems to be in the mid to late first round now because you got Mahomes in Fields with Jackson. You know, Fields might. Yeah, look, don't I, I don't be believe in there being like a sweet spot, sweet spot for position necessarily. But look, Nor do I. Like, it, like Justin Herbert. Look at Justin Herbert. Well, I mean, Justin Herbert was picked like sixth overall. It's not like that's like a middle. But, round but pick didn't or they pick like Tua right in front of him? Yes. No. I absolutely. Mean, look, Herbert no, is light years better than Tua. Oh no, no, Andre. Andre I, I I agree 100. percent But that's that's my point. This isn't a unique thing to offensive tackles. Every position right. in the draft has variety, and it's tough to know who's going to be better than the next guy. But uh, going back to your original point. I think it's impossible to go out there and trade for a really good offensive tackle. 
Unless okay. you uh, unless you want to go do what the uh, Texans did and give up two ones for a, a Laramie Tunsil. I'm not sure if, I, I, yeah, if you're I looking to give up two ones. I, I'm guessing you probably aren't, right? <laughs> no. No. I, 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 and, and I, I wouldn't be either. One from next year but look, and, and, a, and a starter. If, if you want, if you want to go out there and trade a first round pick for a guard, you can go and do that. I'm, but I'm guessing, Andre, you might not. Do you want? And I'm not talking Quentin Nelson. I'm talking a solid starter, no, not no, a Pro no, Bowler. No. Are you willing to give up no, the Giants' no. first round pick next year for a solid no. starter? No, thank you. Well, then you're probably not going to get a. You're probably not going to get what you're looking for. Well, Paul, Paul. I mean, it's been Paul, a do you long agree time. with me? I, go in, I agree. I okay. Go in, I want to go into a season where the line is not a question. I mean, the music question. Hernandez is kind of a question, and Purdy's a huge question. This was like four or five years, and we got four or five questions on the line. No, Andre. Look, I feel you, man. I do. The Giants this year, the route they decided to take, and this is what I, I've said to Charlie a bunch of. And look, I totally get what you're coming from. I totally get it. I understand what you're trying to do, and it makes sense. You all know, Paul, how important the O line is to you. So I think you understand what Andre is trying to do here too, right? I do. Yeah, but you, I would ask Andre this: Are you still there? Yeah, he's still there. I would yeah, ask you this. How many teams in the National Football League, and there are 32 of them, would tell you today they really love all five of their starting offensive linemen and would not upgrade any of them if they were given the chance to? I don't think many. I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. I mean, but, like, look at the Chiefs. They had the two linemen go down. Now their line is back. There's not that many questions you hear about the Chiefs' line, and they replaced two studs. Well, look, I'll say this, Andre. I get where you're coming from. The Giants decide to, to, to take a different path, right? This offseason, right. they spent money on Kyle Rudolph. They spent money on Kenny Galladay and Dory mm. Jackson. So they threw their free agent money at different positions, and they decided, all right, we're going to try to develop our offensive linemen rather than bring them in via free agents. And remember, the Giants not only tried to draft offensive linemen in the past, they also tried Patrick to sign them. I mean, yeah, I mean, go, I mean, if you want to go further back, go to David Boss, go to Jeff Schwartz. Uh, you know, Fluker? yeah, Fluker. There's a bunch of guys that they tried to sign too, so that wasn't necessarily successful either. So what they decide to do this time around, Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge trust the guys that they've drafted the last couple years. I mentioned Hernandez and Thomas before. Parrot throw Lemieux into the mix. Nick Gates has developed as an undrafted guy to develop them with internal improvement, and that's going to turn into the core of this group. They are betting that this group, with the right coaching, they brought in a new offensive line coach this year in uh, Rob Sale, that they can become the group that's going to lead this team and offense forward. It was the same strategy that the Giants took when they developed the Sean O'Hara's, David Deals, mm-hmm. Sneeze, and that group together. Yeah, be- is there any guarantee? Sorcerer- is there any guarantee that's going to work again, Andre? There is not. But that uh, is the strategy that they're taking. Andre, before we let you go, I just want to go back to the Chiefs because you made an assumption before that their five starting offensive linemen are all set and and you know wrapped up like a bow. I agree with you. They got Orlando Brown and Joe Thune. Okay, that's fine on the left side, but Creed Humpty mm-hmm. was a second round pick this year. And although a lot of people thought he might be the best center in the draft, he's still a rookie, okay? He's going to be their starting center. Trey Smith is a sixth-round pick this season as a rookie. He's going to be their starting right guard. Do you think they feel great that they've got a second-rounder and a sixth-rounder starting? We lost and Lucas Niang is their starting right tackle this year. Do I need to remind you coming out of the draft, the reason that he dropped as far as he did to the third round was because he had hip surgery? Now, that was two years ago, and then he sat two out years last ago. year. So theoretically, he should be healthy now, but he doesn't have any NFL snaps. So, so three, in my mind, three of their five starting offensive linemen, this is the Kansas City Chiefs with some guy named Mahomes' quarterback who's making, by the way, a Fort Knox worth of money, okay? And if I'm them... I'm not exactly in concrete on three of my starting five offensive linemen. And they also get uh, Duvernay Tardif back, who should help them. He's a veteran that's been around. And they have Mike Remmers, too, Paul. Well, these are guys, they're insurance policies. Well, I know, but if if Mike Remmers has to be a right tackle, you know, I think you can survive that. I think you're, you're okay with him. 
I right? think I think I think Remmers was functional for the Giants yeah. two years ago. Yeah, and I think he'd be functional for them too, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and and quite honestly, he, he I would like to think he's better if Neon has injury issues. Well, I'd like to believe that Remmers would well, hold up. Frankly, better. I think if I had to bet right now, I don't know if they've announced the starters. I'm not tracking the Chiefs' offensive line depth chart or anything. But if I had to guess right now, I think Mike Remmers is the starter at right tackle in Week One for them. Well, I, I, I like to follow the Our Lads people. No, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I know. And Our Lads has Niang as their starting right tackle, and Remmer's backing up Orlando Brown at left tackle. And is that the – no, that must be a different one. I see Darrell Williams on their depth chart, too, but they have him listed as a center. So, that, so I believe the Panthers' Darrell Williams is on the Bills, right? If I'm I not mistaken, so. I believe he's on, on Buffalo. So my point is this, though. Even, even if you want to tell me that, that Remmer's as the swing – tackle basically he's the he's the Nate Solder of the Chiefs no, he, I, you know what? I was literally okay. I was literally gonna say that 10 seconds ago absolutely 100%, okay yeah but but that doesn't change the fact that you've got a second round draft pick as your starting center and a sixth round draft pick as your starting right guard now I don't care if they're playing for the Chiefs the Giants the Cowboys the the Seahawks I don't care what team has a second rounder and a sixth rounder in their interior line. You have to understand, rookies will make rookie mistakes. They're not going to come in immediately because neither one of these guys are, are likely to be pro bowlers right out of the box. In fact, I'll tell you right now, I'll give you a million dollars, John, if Humphrey and Smith both make the Pro Bowl this no, year. How I mean, about that? No, I don't think you need them to make the Pro Bowl, though. Anyway, I, 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 th- I think we're totally off base here. I mean, I think we're off the, the, the point of the call. The point of the call is that, look, the Giants are invested in these guys with draft picks, and they think that they're going to improve to the point where this offensive line can be good enough for this offense to succeed. And that's where they're at. And fans, obviously, who have not seen these guys play in a game, Paul, since last December— have questions about that, and that's totally understandable. It's they absolutely they fair. They have not seen it. So now, guess what? We're going to see these guys out on the field. And actually, it's, I think they actually played a few series together in the first preseason game. So they did. They, they did. They didn't you know see that. But, look, down to, but we're going to see extended play for the first time on Sunday, and then we're going to see on week one. And we're going to see if the bet the Giants made was the right one or if it's one that's going to backfire. Yeah. We don't know the answer to that question today. The, the truth of the matter is, if you really want to characterize this, it's a show-me line. Oh, of course it it's is. It's that simple. Yeah. Show me what you got, and that's what it is. And I, I just don't I don't like to bury people before they've had a chance to prove themselves or prove otherwise. Yeah, look, I don't think Andre was trying to bury him, Paul. I think Andre just wanted more of a sure thing, which is, I, I get that. Well, I get that. again, how many teams in this league are able to do that? No, look, and if you do, you have to make significant investments in it, right? I mean, you go back, look at all the first-round picks that the Cowboys used on their guys, that the Eagles used on their guys, to bring in all those linemen, right? Right. I mean, that's just what you do. And now the Eagles, they their first-round pick, 2019, and by the way, Andre uh, ended up losing his starting spot. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and how, many, how many playoff uh, games have the Cowboys won since they invested in having one of the premier offensive lines in the league? Yeah, but I, I don't think that's either here or there. Are we giving well, offensive no, it, lines? I happen to believe. Now? I happen to believe that it always starts in the trenches, and you have to have good trenches. So you're and saying build from the in out. out. But my point on. is this: the Cowboys invested very heavily in their offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't automatically. Now no, the chances are not. you're going to be a good team if you have a good offensive line. And you have a good defensive line. You have the trenches sewn up. Chances are very good that you're going to be a playoff team. Very, very good. But it's not an automatic because nothing in this life is an automatic. I don't think anyone was saying that. No, but the point being, here's the Cowboys over the last five or six years have probably, I think it's pretty safe to say, one of the top three offensive lines in the NFL on the whole for the last six years. Yeah, of course. Right? Mm -hmm. And how many playoff games have they won? Okay. I mean, I, just, I, what I just don't is, think that was the point of the conversation. But okay, All right, but the point fine. is if you invest so heavily in your offensive line, then sometimes you don't have enough elsewhere. I understand. So the idea but... is to, to improve your offensive line, to make sure that it's solid, but you also can't just say, I'm going to just throw everything at of the course. offensive line because I, I, then I got nothing else. Then again, I don't think if Dallas could give back the contracts of Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, I don't think they'd be handing those back anytime soon either, to be honest with you. I think they're pretty happy with what they did. With I guys. think Zach Martin is, is probably worth everything he's getting. I'm not as big as Tyron Smith guy. But anyway. Have you looked Dur- at it? Durability. Uh, yeah, durability is an issue for me. You know that. It's, 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 okay. Anyway, let's go. I, I'm sure you wouldn't take Tyron Smith if he was offered in a trade. Okay. I um, would. 201, yeah. But, sh- great. <laughs> 
201-939-4513. Paul, sometimes you drive me absolutely off That's the okay. Wall. I don't know what to do with you sometimes. That's okay. Let's go to David Cranford. He's up next. Dave, what's going on, man? Paul, you're funny. Dave, what's up? This is why, hi, guys. This is why this show is just a must-listen to because of moments like this. So I, I just... Absolutely love it. Love the conversation. And I love when someone says, let's just go get Quentin Nelson. You know, like <laughs> that, that seems like a good idea. I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make, I'm just, you know, but, but that can, would, can that we would bring be back nice the thing. line from Super Bowl 42 for just one season? How about that? I know. And John, you know what, John, I, I was thinking about you the other day because you look at all the recent, we've always, we've had this conversation forever, but we'll, so we'll have it again. And that is, you go look at the first cuts that came out and, and people that did hit the waiver wire, and you go look at positions, and, and I'll tell you, I mean, it was, it was predominantly wide receivers, D-backs, safeties, yep. and linebackers. No, you know? I, not a lot of offensive linemen in there, right, Dave? There really weren't. Nope. And so people are still evaluating and holding on, and so that is what it is, and that's part of the, that's part of the league. And you know, of course, we have we have we have questions there. I I think your guys' whole conversation, though, is a breath of fresh air for those of us who've been listening for years. And that is, you know, um, uh, you know, a lot of discussions around the depth of the bottom of this roster that I think um, we simply haven't had. Um, you know, we we simply haven't had such a difficult decision to think about. You know, um, the the you know more the bottom of the roster. Now, I think last year, and I think the way Judge uses the team, and I'm sold on you know every position you know being important and every player being important. Uh, looks like we lost Dave. Hey, Dave, I think we I think we had Dave on hold for too long. Dave, give us a call right back, and I will definitely put you right back on. We lost you there, but give us a call back, Dave, and I'll make sure we get you back up at two zero one nine three nine four five one three. In the meantime, Taylor, let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. He's been holding the longest. Joe, what's up? And then Dave, I, I promise I'll get you right back up if you call back. Joe, what's up? Hi, guys. Uh, hey. Thanks for your report, yours and Paul's yesterday, but... Uh, I also want to commend Charlie. I thought he gave a pretty good report. And if you guys, I don't know if you've heard it or not. He's, you know, if you've heard. Uh, uh, we did not, that. actually. We did not. Yeah, he, he gave a pretty good uh, uh, a report there, and it was unbiased, I thought. You know what I mean? Talking about the different players. And, uh, you know. It, what did he say, Joe? Uh, I'm just curious. What did he say? Oh, he was talking about the offensive line and Daniel, you know, and uh, of, of, and it was pretty, pretty good, really and truly, and unbiased. And I just thought if you or Paul would come down with COVID or get sick there, I thought maybe you could team him up with with Blanche. Wow, Joe! Hey, gee, thanks together. for the love. We I appreciate know. that. <laughs> Joe's trying to get Paul and I. He's trying to get us on the safety protocol. No, if you get sick or something like that, to team them up with Lance and ship them out there, you know that it would be pretty cool. Joe, let me tell you so. something. If we tried to put Lance and Charlie on a show together, that show would degenerate faster than well, anyone like could the, ever believe. The, the, the debate shows there on ESPN, you know, how they, they <laughs> debate there, you know, uh, you know, pretty cool. So, uh, no, yeah, you guys have to listen to his report coming in. It wasn't bad, you know. So, hey, being an ex-jockey, yeah, so. Uh, hey, look at Joe, no, and honestly, I, and then look, and Paul and I said this, there were a couple spots there where, like, protection was an issue in that second day of practice. So, I, I if, if Charlie brought that up, I understand where he's coming from. So, Okay, now I'm going to get to these. You were talking to these receivers too. I really now, if you had to put Borg, CJ Borg, there, if you had just to raid him as a receiver, would you raid him higher than Pettis and Sills? And would you think he would be able to get through waivers easier? And CJ Borg is not a. He is not – well, we don't know this for sure. Neither Paul and I believe that C.J. Board is going to be someone they try to sneak through waivers because Joe Judge wants him on the 53-man roster in the first game. All right, let, let, let's say this. We believe that Judge wants him because he has certainly been very complimentary of him. He's given him every chance to keep a spot. And every time Board's out on the field, he does things right, and he is consistently steady. 
Yeah. Uh, those okay. are, those I, are the I, kinds I, of guys I, that play coaches love. They love those I, kinds of guys. Uh, okay, but but I am just saying, you know, I'm I'm concerned about all they getting hurt, and I think Sills could fill in there for him with his size. Well, yeah. Joe, 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 I think David Sills, and I've said it before. If you've missed it, I'm going to say it again. I think that David Sills is is Joe Jurevicious 2.0. I and believe I'm that. Concerned. I'm concerned about Tony not making it there, and I think Pettis could fill in there being a little bit more. And, like, I have nothing against Borg, but, you know, I thought Wilson did good last year as uh, as a returner and a punt there. It was more elusive there. And and um, even to run back the kickoffs, I, I put in Ross there. I'm just looking at who's going to play the most and who's going to – for the team and be available, like I'm saying, if if Galdi gets hurt, you know, I think Sills could fill in there more appropriately with his size, doing the same thing. I'm I do like the concerned. size component, Joe, but he's not obviously he does not, not have the speed threat, you know. But I, I do understand, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I do understand. That. You're you're talking about the length and the size, and you're saying, well, you know, that would give. Uh, Jones a big target yeah, if he, Galladay's he, out of the lineup. I understand yeah. that. Please, please, I want I want everybody out there who's who's now trying to crucify John and I because we're thinking that Sills may not be on the 53. We're not saying we don't like him as a player. Well, and by the way, I will say this too. If you made me say right now whether or not um, he's going to be on the roster, I would say yes if I had to guess oh, I, right now. I, I think he's to... probably going to sneak on too, but I have to offer you the other potential logical decision-making process that they uh, may uh, have to go through. That's well, all we're trying well, to do. I'm, I'm just saying to you, you know what I mean? If, if uh, say, Galdi gets hurt, say, Shepard gets hurt, or, or so, which, which are whatever, them guys, you know, they haven't, and, and Tony, they haven't even played with Daniel this year. I am very questionable about there. Who, you know, we haven't even talked there? about John Ross. Right, you know, and there's I a guy said, they signed well, as a free he, agent. He, he he brings another with his speed. He yeah, but really we does. we didn't list him on our six, right? Where's John Ross fit into this? That, that this is where I'm very 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 concerned. And I said I have nothing against C.J. Borg, but I think you know what I mean. Where Sills could fit in, he reminds me of Joe Juravicious somewhat. Remember him? I just told you that 90 seconds ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm saying he does. He, he, he is. He's Joe Jervicious the second. I agree with you. Right there, you go. You know what I mean. And uh, uh, I, that I'm very concerned. Like I said, and I think you'd be able to sneak him through uh, uh, waivers easier, CJ Borg, than Sills or uh, uh, Pettis, and then you could put them on the bench uh, or, uh, and bring them up and down if Galladay's ain't hurt and then C.J. Borg could be on the roster to, if if uh, if Holiday or Galladay is is okay and same with uh, uh, Tony. Joe, I'll tell right? you what I'm going to tell you. And thanks There's for the call, pro- Joe. There are probably going to be four receivers on the practice squad, if not more, right, John? I mean, last year they had four, three or four almost the whole year. Yeah, and I and I think and I think a bunch of these guys were talking about if they don't get claimed, if they wind up getting cut and don't get claimed, you will see a bunch of these receivers make it back. And by the way, I agree. I, that's why one of the reasons I would put Sills on, you know, because I do think he can kind of play that Galladay spot. Obviously, not to the same level, but he's the same type of receiver in terms of style, right? To a certain extent. So, yeah, look, I agree. I, that's why if I was making the, the final roster, I'd put him on. But again, I do think it's a legitimate, you know, competition between him and Pettis. And some of those other guys at the back end. But if I was, if I had to predict right now, and you made me write down my fifty-three man roster, which we'll do next Monday and Tuesday on the show, by the way, and we'll have fun with that, Sills would be on. But again, we'll see what happens in the game on Sunday. All right, let's go back to the phones at two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Again, two zero one nine three nine four five one three. We got two more calls on the line. We got five minutes, so we're not going to take any more calls before we say goodbye. Just as a reminder, on September twenty-sixth, watch the Giants retire Eli Manning's jersey in style. We're offering an exclusive suite package, which includes Eli bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, and more. Speak with the Giants suite rep now by calling 888-NYG-1925 and select option four. All right, now let's go to the phones. Dave and Cranford called us back. Let's let's go to Dave on line three there, Taylor. Dave, what's up? 
I'll try to be quick, guys. So, yep. um, first, um, for my concern about our roster is going to be that the Eagles, who need receivers, and the Cowboys, who need defensive line and edge, that that some of our players that we think we might be able to quote unquote sneak through don't end up on those rosters. You know, so Dave. You know, what? it's be... funny. I'm going to go back real quick to something Paul said, and I apologize for interrupting, but he said maybe Austin Johnson would he be a surprise guy? The Cowboys could right. definitely use Austin Johnson at defensive tackle. Their defensive tackle position's a mess. Oh. So maybe that's something that they could work out there. I don't know. I'll tell you another well, guy I, I, who's who's probably I, I think he's a he's a cut candidate, but I I'm really intrigued. Raymond Johnson. Yep, I think I, I think he's a sleeper guy. I agree with that. He I you know totally out of Georgia agree. Southern small school, the Giants picked him up, and I, I think they they like his athleticism and they think he's raw, but he's got a lot of potential. Yep. I think that's one of those guys that you put on the practice squad because he is a legitimate prospect. But maybe, you know, he's still more of a piece of coal than he is a diamond right now. I, I agree, Paul. I just, it's just that it's not as simple as putting them on the practice squad, as you know. I know. I, you know, I know. And that's the, that's, the, that's the pain. I'll leave you guys with one last thing because i got, you got another call on the other thing. We do have a uh, secret weapon this year. Um, uh, years ago, my, brother, my older brother, Paul, became good friends with Kevin Boss. And he's uh, my, bro- my brother, Paul, had Down syndrome. And uh, there was a great article written by Ralph Acciano in the Daily News on Thanksgiving one year about Paul and our family visiting the Giants locker room with Kevin. Wow. And um, Paul was a, a lifelong Giant fan, and he, he passed about two weeks ago. Um, oh, we're family sorry. And f- thank you, Paul. Thank you, John. Thank you. I know you would be. But um, Paul is a lifelong Giant fan, huge Giant fan. Uh, Kevin Boss is one of the nicest people, as you both know, that you could ever meet. He stayed in contact with our family. He was on the phone with us the day he passed uh, with he and his wife, Bree. Super, super nice um, and very comforting uh, during those days. Paul was also a huge Yankee fan, um, huge Yankee fan, and Paul was a great man. He um, watched every Yankee game up until the day he passed. They're 12-0 and since he passed. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that, that um, since he's passed, the Yankees haven't lost. I'm not saying they're ever going to lose again. But um, but we we did say to him before he passed that um, you know we'd like him to remember our Giants this year. So that's our uh, our angel <laughs> in the outfield type wow. guy. So wow. my my brother Paul and and he's a he's a huge Giant fan. And so I just wanted to uh, one publicly thank Kevin for his friendship with him because he was Paul's friend and uh, just mention what a great man my brother Paul was. So thank you guys for listening. God well, thank bless. you, Dave and. and- Condolences and thoughts and prayers to, to you, you and your family. Obviously, thank you, thank you, thank you John. Thank no. you, Paul. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Okay, Dave. appreciate the Kevin call, Boss, uh, John. You and I have both known Kevin, and we've seen him sometimes back here at alumni functions. He's one of the nicest, most modest guys you'd ever want to see uh, in, in a uniform. I mean, he's a he's a just a really down to earth, salt of the earth kind of guy. No, absolutely, he's the best. All right, final call of the show, Paul. Let's go to Rick and Tampa. He'll wrap us up today, Rick. Hey. What's up, guys? What's up, man? Hey, Rick. Uh, I never remember, how you doing? Um, a season where uh, so much uncertainty with so many players of not playing, not seeing them, and uh, the uh, whether it's quarterback, the wide receivers, to all of that. So I, my, I'm really looking forward to the following couple of weeks where we can start, you know, putting the team together, who's going to be here, who's not going to be here, making some predictions. But for now, I just have a question. Who, when the, this final preseason game, Offensive line, which you know scares the scares me to death. Um, who's going to be the starting five to, for the this half of the game for the first half? Who's starting it on the offensive line? Do you think, or do you know already? And uh, what are each of you looking for in the first half specifically to see happen? Because we're all waiting to see him play. I mean, mine's Daniel Jones, uh, and I'll leave it at that. And then we'll talk uh, in the next coming weeks as the season we get ready. I'll look forward to that. But who, who's going to start for the offensive line, and who are you guys uh, specifically looking at uh, in the first half that you're going to be watching? Paul, go ahead. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we need to know what the trainers are saying because uh, I would think we, we've all said the starting line left to right should be Thomas, Lemieux, uh, Gates, Hernandez, and Parrott. Now, I do think Parrott is going to get the start ahead of Solder on, on uh, Sunday against the Patriots. But I can't tell you 100% for sure that Lemieux's going to start because he's been on load management with that sore knee, and it's been lingering for a while. 
So I can't tell you for sure that it will be him or that it uh, it, it might be uh, um, a Larson. Or Wiggins, right? And it might be Wiggins. Yeah. I think the only question is that is that left guard spot right now. I think the other guys, we know who's going to start at least this Sunday. But I think the left tackle spot, the left guard spot, to your point, Paul, just because of the injuries, we don't know who's going to be out there. Right. And, and that's, then, you know, the medicals are not something right. we have access to. Correct. And then week one, I think the thought would be that it's, you know, the right tackle spot is probably the one that's most up for grabs at this point. Do you think that's fair, assuming Lemieux is healthy in two weeks? Assuming Lemieux is healthy, I think he gets his spot against the Broncos. And I think that right now, Matthew Parrott is is writing out, he's fighting. He is He's going to have to fight to hold off Nate Solder to start against the Broncos. That's that's what I think. He's been very inconsistent this summer, John. No, I, I'm i with you. But I think, you know, Parrott has been, when Parrott's been healthy, he's been getting the, the reps with the ones. So they, I think, the preference-wise, they would like him to earn that Absolutely. spot. But I don't think he's there yet. And what happens if he does poorly against the Patriots? And what happens in the two weeks ensuing if he doesn't play himself into that spot? Solder's very willing to take it. Trust me. And I'll just say one more thing. Week one, Von Miller. I realize he didn't play last year. He's still Von freaking Miller. <laughs> you better have somebody out there that can block that dude. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. Well, again, I'm going to say as we stand here today, for all the stuff that we said in the offseason about wanting Parrott to win the job, that would be the optimal solution. But right now, as we're getting closer to opening day, I'm leaning more and more to, to uh, another rotation like we saw last year when, when, when Fleming was taking some snaps and Pear was taking some snaps. Wouldn't shock me if it, if it winds up being some semblance of Parrott and Solder opening day against the Broncos. That's where I stand right now because I don't think that Parrott has dug his feet in cement far enough to concretely say he's the guy. I just don't think so, John. Paul, we look forward to it. On Sunday, check out our coverage on WFAN. We'll be on the FM side for our final preseason game. Pre-game starts at 5.05 on 101.1, WFAN F- 101.9 WFN-FM, New York. It'll be Paul, Lance, Fiegels, and I on the pregame show. And then, of course, you have Chris Carino, Sean O'Hara with the play-by-play. Paulie Dots will be on the sideline. And then we'll have post-game coverage afterwards. Tina will be downstairs in the locker room for us. And Jeff and Lance will be upstairs as we get ready for the regular season. And we wrap up our um, final game here. And then next week, we're back at 11 a.m. for Big Blue Kickoff Live. Make sure you tune in. Uh, we'll be 11 a.m. all week. We're still figuring out what our schedule is going to be in terms of the um, first regular season week and then forward what the regular season schedule is going to be. We haven't gotten that media and practice and schedule yet. So when we get that, we will certainly announce it, let everybody know what time we're going to be once the regular season starts. But what we'll make sure it's going to be the same time every day, and then we'll figure it out from there. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmo. Thanks for being with us on another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll talk to you on Monday at 11, everybody. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and check us out at 5.05 on WFAN-FM on Sunday night. Until then.